Good to be with you guys. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Alright, we have um, a lot of stuff going on in Romans. We find out to begin with Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that it is right because of man's rebellion for the judgment of God to come on. But God has had a plan came through the Jews, and the Jews didn't, weren't able to fulfill it, and so God sent the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go through Romans, we find out that because of his sacrifice, God has brought us back to what he originally intended. Salvation is by justification by faith. And then, because of what Christ has done on the cross, man feels inadequate. He still feels like this, this body of death on him, but God has made provision for that through the Lord Jesus Christ and has given us victory. And when we get to Romans chapter 8, what we're going to do is we're going to have Paul pause and begin to describe, well, in regard to everything that Christ has now done for you to bring salvation to you, what is it in the life you're living now after meeting Christ that he's working on and doing in you, for you, to not only get you ready for eternity, but to have you live in a certain quality of life on this side of eternity? I, I don't know where you guys are at, but I've had a lot of time in Romans chapter 8 because what it does is it speaks to me of the victories of God. And there's, there's so many victories in Romans chapter 8 that you could actually truly spend a year just covering Romans chapter 8. And I probably will because I, I love reading this. It encourages me constantly. Where we're going to be spending our attention this evening is Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So hopefully you can find that. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. But let's arrive in this passage, because it's going to sound bizarre if we don't put some context to it. So what do we find? We find that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. So God doesn't have condemnation over our lives. And then as we start going through Romans, we realize that God has not given us the mind of his flesh, but he's given us the mind of the spirit and life. And then we get to Romans 8.28, and we have that, and I began to develop this with you last month. Since God is for you, how is he working? Well, we have this interesting concept given to us, and uh, God causes all things to work together for good. And that word, all things, is this Greek word called synergy. And what's interesting is the way that you would understand that word synergy in the Greek New Testament, it's literally a tornado of grace that's around you all the time. So no matter what comes near you, whether it's evil or good, grace encapsulates it, encounters it. As it comes into your life, someone might intend evil, but since grace and God's presence is with you, what was intended for evil, he turned it towards good. And so you actually now begin to live in a... Here, God didn't save us and then take us out of the world. He's left us in a fallen world, and he says, so really, because of the way that the, the world is, I'm going to encounter you because I'm intentionally trying to convince you of something that is eternal, which you're experiencing in time right now, and it's called the ever-increasing revealing of the love of God. So what I go through in life and what you go, and you and I go through in life God is saying, well, there's a, there's a work that God is trying to do. So Christ has done these things on the cross. He has provided all these things. And now it's getting down to, well, what does that look in day in and day out living with Christ? What does that actually look like? 
That means that every situation I go into, God has decided that it's going to turn towards good. Now, what does that word mean? It doesn't mean happy. It actually is a quality word in the Greek New Testament. It actually means a state of excellence when it comes to quality of good. So there's certain levels of good in the kingdom of God. God causes all things to work together for good. It actually means the highest level of good that can be expressed in the universe, Christ is going to work so you experience that level of good. Now, at Romans 8, we're, we're just barely starting. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And now Paul is going to, he said, now look what God has done. Isn't that amazing? We can just stop here, but it even keeps getting better. Romans 8, 31, now it says this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? I don't know if you got, this is actually also one of my other favorite scriptures that I've memorized and I quote all the time. So what can we say in regard to these things? Now it's taken what we just looked at. There's no condemnation over you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus said you can free from the law of sin and death. God causes all things to work together. And so he's saying all this stuff that we just had happened, now we're going to pose a question to you and I that we now need to ponder. In regard to all these things that God has done for you, what can we say to these things? If God is for you, who can be against you? And he's beginning to now bring to you and I as believers because he now wants us to have an internal dialogue and a dialogue with each other and a dialogue with the Lord himself to start dealing with this defeatism that comes to people that live in a fallen world when they observe sin. He wants to have a conversation with them. What's your place in the world in regard to these things? You were a victim in the kingdom of darkness. Now Christ has delivered you into the kingdom of his dear son. You're in that kingdom. Are you still a victim? And he's starting to confront you and I, and he's saying, there has to be a change now how you look at things. God has placed you in the world, and he's saying, the purpose of you being here is just the same purpose that he had for his son. God was for his son, and so everything that came against him, Christ could laugh at it and go, you have no power over me. I'm on a mission, and I'm going to fulfill it until I'm done. And God is saying the same thing to you. If that's what he's done for his son, if he was for his son and now he's for you, you should begin to look at the world and begin to interpret it differently. What can come against me if God is for me? In the Old Testament, we have nations rising up against God's people. We have uh, people doing corrupt things. And here God shows this constant victory and intervention and historical things coming into the promised land, protecting his people. Elijah and Elijah even saying things like, I might not have an army, but let open their eyes, Lord, and see that this army that's protected me is greater than a physical army that can stand before him. And God is trying to get a message across to his children. I am trying to break you free from this fear that grips humanity that doesn't know me because you're to become the victorious ones. If you guys looked at in um, Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about, see what people of faith have accomplished. And it says they've overcome death. They've overcome destruction. They've overcome kingdoms. And they're trying to say they weren't special. They just knew God. You don't have to have a unique name. You just know God. 
That means the same God that delivered people in the Old Testament, the same God that was with Elijah, the same God that did all those powerful things for all those people is the same God that's on your side. If he's willing to do that for them, he's willing to do that for you, you have nothing to be afraid of moving into the future. And he's beginning to have a conversation with you because he's trying to get you to a quality of understanding the love of God for you. The love of God isn't some lovey-dovey feeling, which we all feel, and then we're defeated in every area of our life. It is a conquering love. Well, this sounds kind of intense, doesn't it? So God is actually trying to say, now, who, who are the people that overcome the world? Who are the people that can stand when everybody is collapsing? Who are those people? It's the people that understand the demonstration of the love of God towards them in the real world, and all of a sudden it changes them, and they start looking at things differently, and they say, wait a minute, I might have been defeated before, but I'm actually victorious, and if God is willing to do that once, let's see how far we can go in this. How bad can it really get? What, where will God stop being for me? And now the scripture's coming to you, and he's saying, guess what? Nothing. God's going to let nothing separate you from this. So how do you guys look at tomorrow? Oh, the economy's collapsing, the, the world's going to hell. Well, the world's always been going to hell. <laughs> That's not some new story. The, the reality of it is, is you're in this time in history, and now it's your story with God. And so all the champions that he had before, he told you their stories, not so you would go, wow, I'll never be like them. It's so that you know you're in the same pedigree with the same spirit. And if they did exploits that actually demonstrated the goodness of God, God's going to do exploits in your life that's going to demonstrate the glory of God. And it's just this constant history. And God is trying to have a conversation with you and I and saying, now listen, if God is for you, who could be against you? In fact, let's look at the passage even closer. If God is for you, who can be against you? And this word for you is really fascinating. It, it, it's, it's, it's actually interesting. The Greek word is hyper. Uh, that means something different in our culture. But this is the Greek word if God is for That's why it has to be translated. For us. It actually, that word hyper actually means God intentionally taking what is in heaven that has been prescribed for you as a benefit because you're made in the very image of God and because you've come into covenant relationship with it, it is his job to give that to you. That's, that's what it's actually saying in the passage. It's saying, so what can we say about this? If God is willing to take the benefits that have been reserved for you and he's willing to give it to you, He's saying this, so who can be against you? Now that word against means has the power to take away your benefit. And the Bible is actually telling you there's no one in the universe that has the power to take away from you what God says is yours. Amen. Oh, that's Paul. <laughs> now, he's if we just did that passage, we could stop, roll around on the ground for a couple hours and thank the Lord forever. But it, it, he's... He's now going, are you guys ready? He's ascending to the grace and the knowledge of how powerful this salvation is. And now he's taking another step towards the glory of God. And he's saying this. He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him us up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? 
So he's now posed a question to you that he wants you to answer, and the Lord is trying to convince you of something. There's no being in the universe that can stop what God has determined for you. Now what God is trying to do is he's trying to say, so why do you get these benefits? Why do you get these benefits, and why should you expect them, and why has God actually determined to demonstrate his love to you in this way? Why has God determined to do this? Well, in the passage, it tells you, God, and this is amazing to think about how much God loves you. He's telling you how much he loves you right there. He who did not spare his own son. Now, that word spare is interesting because it, it's a Greek word that means, you guys ready for this? God had his son, and the way the scripture describes it is he was so close to him that he was in his bosom. This word spare means he took the son from that position and gave him to be a sacrifice to you so that he could take you and put him in his bosom. God sacrificed his own son to you to uh, communicate to you how important you are to him. So that you begin to have your mind reoriented in the universe where, that you live in and you realize God is so for me. He looks exactly at me the way he looks at his son. In fact, his son is so willing to make sure we have that connection that he had with his father that he separated from being in the bosom of his father so that you could be put in the bosom of the father.
He delivered us up for us all. And then he goes to a question. Now he goes to another question. Isn't this great? He's asking you questions and he wants you to have a conversation with the love of God. And is God really for you? So you and I are going to run into obstacles. Where, how are we supposed to look at the obstacles? Oh no. I have to learn to suffer. Is that the purpose of this stuff? Yes, there's suffering. But the purpose isn't to see how well you suffer compared to how you suffer. And then we get in groups and talk about, wow, is that really hard on you? Ah, this is terrible. <laughs> Did you make it? Barely. I mean, That's not the focus of this. The focus of this is this. He's now beginning to say, all right, everything you go through, what you're going to recognize is that you actually can't meet what is necessary in every situation. Have you guys figured that out yet? You don't have what it takes to meet any situation that you're in. If you, I, I hate to pop some bubbles tonight. This is, I'm popping one of my own bubbles. If you think you have the ability to get yourself through anything, you're kind of deceived. God has determined for you to understand the world that he has created, the only way the world is understood, you come into the blessing, and you live righteously, as it's called God in the middle of it, convincing you of his love for you. So that actually means that as I go through life, I go in that situation for somehow in the middle of that, because I don't understand it, God's saying, you don't understand my love, so we're going to go through this together so I can convince you how much I love you. He's going to take every area of your life and convince you how much he loves you. Now you're going, well, where is this in Scripture? Uh, I always refer to this. You guys ever see in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is making a reference to a prayer. And he says this, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And he said, and the reason why you're seated with him in heavenly places is because for all eternity, God is going to demonstrate his love for you. All eternity. So, we have to take what's called these overarching concepts in scriptures and now say, well, I'm living everyday life, and so how do I interpret scripture based on this eternal principle that God is saying or, or God's intention towards me? We say, well, that means that now as I go through life, I lack things. God has determined that I'm not a self-sufficient being, so God is saying the way that I convince you of my love is when you lack, you say, help. He puts it to you, and then you actually get to have a party with everybody and go, look at how much God loves you. Now, you guys do this, right? Anytime God meets a need in your life, you call all your friends and say, Come on over, it's party time. Jesus did this for me. No, I haven't done that in a while, Brian. Maybe, uh, just think about this with me. Maybe we ought to be getting together and just having celebrations of victories of God in us. Because God has been demonstrating his love so consistently to you, it's supposed to change something inside of the way you look at the world. It's not a form of deception. It's a form of coming into reality. And what is reality? If God is for you, not a person nor a thing can be against you. And if what it's doing is it's trying to give you a painting of a picture that God's doing in your life. Your life is defined by the victory of God's love for you. Your life is defined by it. And so if you ever sit back and look at your life, how many of you look at your life and think, I don't know how I got through that, and I don't know how I got through that, and I don't know how I got through that. And then you sit back and you go, and yet God did it for me. And what he was doing was he was painting a picture of God's love so you could actually say, I see it. 
Okay, here we go. <laughs> so look what it, let's finish the scripture here. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So now he's going to finish it. Now, I, I can't keep going on the passage because it keeps building. We'll do it next month if, I, if that's what the Lord wants me to cover. But he's trying to, he's taking steps towards glory for you to understand God's love for you. He's now beginning, again, to ask you a question. Who in the universe, both heaven and hell, can be against you if God is for you? No one. So you don't have to be afraid of who's for me. God is. Most powerful being in the universe says, I'm for you. Actually, sometimes I think we get so caught up making sure everybody else is for us, we forget the greatest approval of the universe we already have, and who cares if anyone else is for us? So God is for you. He's convincing you of that. And then he's saying, I want you to understand how important you are. I'm showing you that I sent my son to actually do this thing of dying on the cross so that I could grab you and put you in my bosom just like I did my son. That's your place with me. To be that intimate with me. You're mine. I've given everything I can for you to convince you you're mine. You don't have to be afraid. And then he says this. He says, so if God is willing to do the highest level of pain for you, loving you and demonstrating you, he's going to take every area of your life. And he goes, wouldn't God meet, freely meet every other thing going on in your life? And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, if God is willing to freely give the Son of God, will he not freely meet every need you have in your life? If God is willing to pay the highest price to demonstrate not only salvation to you and that he's for you, how hard is it for him to pay an electric bill? If God is willing to do this for you, it actually, are you guys getting it? It means in every situation, you should actually be looking at it and going, yes, God's going to overcome in this situation. Do you know what was different about uh, Joshua and Caleb that from the rest of the nation of Israel? I mean, it takes a long time reading the Exodus story to get this point. What was, why were they different? Because they figured this out. I don't know. They must have had a revelation because they didn't have Paul give them the book of Romans and going, would you learn, learn this? But they figured it out. God keeps delivering us of everything. So that's his nature. I should be expecting that. And the rest of the children of Israel, like God brought me, and he brought me to a, a stinky desert. And I have to eat this disgusting food and I wish I could have hamburgers. I mean, they're just complaining all the time and they're not getting it. And Joshua and Caleb, just de they, somehow they determined, wait a minute, God is saying something here to me. So he's saying, hey, I'm willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for you. I'm actually going to war for you. No one can touch you. I mean, the whole Exodus story is just this constant demonstration of the miraculous love of God over the children of Israel. And you have only, only 4 million people saying, we don't get it. You brought us out here to kill us. And you get, you get two guys to get it. Okay, so what did they get? They got this. Somehow they figured this out. That means that every situation that comes to my life, whether it's a battle or a lack, I get to walk into that with God and see God not only win the battle, but convince me He loves me through the process of that. And so now I actually rejoice in every lack I have in my life because I get to discover this consistently. Am I going too fast? No. <laughs> and so... Think about this. Most people are afraid there's this, there's this thing in some believer's life. They have what's called evil foreboding. And this is what the children of Israel have. 
They looked towards the future and they said, I can't trust God because I have to go through things I don't enjoy. And if God was really for me, he would give me $3 million, put me on a beach and have food for I'm going to take you on an adventure, and you're going to go into some difficult places, and you're going to learn every aspect of my love for you, not just the comfort aspects. Now, if you really want to think about it, if you and I want to be mature in the love of God, we actually want this to come towards us instead of trying to fight it. Are you guys, are you guys like, oh, I don't, why do I have to go through that? You guys, I get with people all the time. All my friends get around me and they just look at me and they think, what a whiner and complainer you are. <laughs> Every situation I'm always bellyaching, why do I have to, what, really, what's the purpose of this? Why do I have to go through this? Do you guys ever ask that question? Yeah. So this side of the room does, yes. this side of the room. <laughs> why do I have to go through it? Well, I know it's hard in the middle of it when everything's intense to realize this, but why do you have to go through it? God is trying to show you he's for you. Why do you have to go through it? He's going to convince you of another level of love that you've never experienced before. And you're going to rise above it. And, and I'm looking at this word right now, and I'm crafting some sermons over this too. He says you're not only supposed to be a conqueror in every situation, you're to be more than a conqueror in every situation. Now somehow, I don't, I don't think that's like us going, wow, I can go through everything. I think it's a convincing and a fortification of the grace of God and the love of God into us that as we overcome one situation, we never see that as a defeat anymore, no matter how bad we responded through it, because God lifted us to the next situation. And what's happening is we're being fortified by the love of God, and whether we recognize it or not, we're actually growing to be like Him so that now... Things that used to terrorize us five years ago, we just look at it and think, you've got to be kidding me. And the next thing we're facing, we're like, I get to see more and be convinced more that God loves me. Amen. Jesus is taking you on a journey. He really is. He's trying to have a dialogue with you. I think I shared with you guys, wasn't, when we talk about it all the time, we're probably going to do this for the next five years. Wasn't last year really exciting? <laughs> all the stuff that everybody had to go through and the stress and everybody being against each other and all that and, and how it upset my life and, and all the stuff I had to put up with and all that stuff think about that God took something that was meant for evil and he brought himself to you in that place to say now it's time for me to help you overcome it's time for you to recognize, no matter how fearful everybody else is about who knows what, I'm going to convince you of my love through this process. And you're going to come out on the other end knowing I loved you through this. Now what if I can't recognize it? And I talked about this last month, and I'm going to reaffirm it this time. What if I have this tornado of the love of God taking everything that was meant for evil and turning or it's good, but I can't recognize it. How do I recognize it? How do I know God is actually for me? Brian, you're saying all this. I wish it was true. How do I know that God is actually for me? There's this really neat principle in the kingdom of God. It actually has so much power, but it's so simple, most people don't believe it has any effect on it. You guys ready? Cultivate thankfulness. When you cultivate 
cultivate thankfulness. It literally shows scientifically, I don't care about this, but for most people they need to hear this, it rewires the brain to look for good and to be nurtured by it. Or, ready? It rewires the brain to see reality the way it is. Your soul is cultivated by the atmosphere of heaven. When I become thankful, I'm opening up a channel or I'm plugging into the source of reality and all of a sudden I begin to be nurtured by it. So you guys ready? That's why Paul says be thankful in season, out of season, for good and for... He's telling you this is how you begin to recognize God's for you. He's already for you, but you might not be able to see it, so you need to rewire the way you see things, so you need to become thankful for it. Now, how many of you say, I hate that process? <laughs> how many of you, the last time you went through something, you went, God, I'm thankful that you considered me worthy enough to go through this? How many of you do that? I, I had to start learning that at the worst time of my life. I, I, I'll, I'll revisit it one more time, and then we'll be done. I've had the awesome privilege of having the IRS go after me twice for something they did wrong. That's it, the double blessing was is something they did wrong. And they threatened me. They threatened to take money away from me. They said, we're going to seize you. We're going to destroy your life. And they just went after me. It was so exciting. The first time I went through it, I had no peace. I had no blessing. I couldn't see God in the middle of it. I just felt like my life was over. And the Lord had to have a conversation with me. He said, okay, I'm going to lift this off you. It was only for, for the first time, it was for five years. Isn't that awesome? And he finally said, okay, I'm going to deliver you of this. By next week, it'll be over. The Lord did deliver me of it by next week, and it was over. But you guys get it? Through the whole entire process, I couldn't see God in the middle of it because all I focused on was my oppression and the struggle I was going through. The second time it hit, it hit harder than the first. It got so bad, and i got to be real with you, it got so bad, I was trying to figure out where the nearest federal prison was, and I was wondering if I was going to go there. <laughs> Paula's shaking her head. <laughs> That's how your faith is? Yes! <laughs> and so the Lord had me, this is amazing, I'm trying to figure out what other warfare prayer should I pray, what, how much oil should I pour over my body, how many proclamations, and I get this simple teaching, become thankful in all things, and I thought, that's a stupid, I, I'm going to listen to that, but that's just stupid. And so I listened to it, and, the, and they took this passage of Romans and said, God causes all things to work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the person said, if that's actually true, you would be thankful for everything you go through. Not that people do evil, but that God's for you. And he said, so instead of being mad and frustrated and casting out demons, why don't you come and enter into a time of thankfulness? So I went out in my backyard where my wife grows this unbelievable garden, and I started doing laps back and forth, trying to wrestle with, how do you become grateful for the IRS trying to destroy your life? So I couldn't be thankful for that, so I started thanking that God was with me, even though the IRS was trying to destroy me. And as I went through it, you guys ready? The first time I thanked the Lord for the being in the middle of it, something broke over me, and a lifting started coming into my soul. And I went, how is that possible? So I entered into it again. 
Lord, I just thank you that you consider me worthy to be in, in another wave of God's goodness. Hit my heart at another level. You guys get it? I was being oppressed and God was breaking it off me by making me come into a place of sucking on the atmosphere of heaven and coming into alignment with it because he can overcome even in the midst of it. Now, think about this with me. Do you want to overcome after it's over or do you want to come while overcome while you're in it? God's given us a very simple tool. Become thankful. Begin to thank Him. Now, you're, we're living in time. God's already seen your whole life. Wouldn't it be interesting if all of us said, at this point I'm going to stop and re-look at how God is related to me. And instead of wondering if the devil's going to destroy me and if God's abandoned me, I'm going to turn and change my attitude and I'm going to look at my... My life in the past has recognized God's been with me all the way through. So at this point, as I move forward, I'm going to start thanking Him as I go into it. And as you do, you get lifted up into this dynamic of being an overcomer. And all of a sudden, the things that used to just destroy you, you begin to laugh at them. <laughs> That's not going to beat me either. Now, consider this one. If you've not memorized this passage and you want something to memorize, get this in you. This is powerful. God is for you. Who can be against you? No one. No sin, no devil, nothing. Nothing can separate you. So, if you feel like God is not for you, stand how you feel, guys. It's not about what you understand with your head. If you feel like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I really don't feel like God's for me. Stand, Lord, what's to do with this? Alright, Heidi, let's pray for this. Holy Spirit, come. Okay, I'm going to add another layer to this. If you think there's one thing that can defeat you, wonder if God's going to be there for you. Stand also, because God wants to break the power of that also. There's just something the enemy always harasses some of us about, is God going to deliver you from that? And God wants to break the power of that. If there's a certain area in your life where you think you victory, the Lord wants to set you free from that. Would you stand also? You feel like you've had victory in a lot of other areas, but that one area never changes. God wants to break the power of that over your life. Holy Spirit, bring the Father's approval, power, and blessing over him right now in the name of Jesus. Just bring your presence. Thank you that you're going to 
deliver me. It's just begin to practice that. Exercise thankfulness inside your own soul. Receive the blessing of the word, and then we'll have Paul in Father, we just ask that you would come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make yourself present and powerful. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you shalom. In the name of the Father, Son,